Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Hi, this is Brendan Freehart, and you are on the Avocado Toast Career Show. I'm here with Carson McCallum of Imprint and now of Broadjet. Welcome, Carson. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? No cotton mouth? Not yet. Okay, good. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Imprint. So Imprint is a mobile and web platform that provides automated behavioral health programs for a variety of therapeutic issues. Our products are created by mental licensed health professionals. And the way the product works is you visit our application, you select the therapeutic area that you have a, some struggles with, and then you take an assessment that tries to pinpoint some of the underlying conditions around your problem. Mm-hmm. Imprint then generates a customized uh, audio session based on a variety of therapeutic things such as guided imagery, behavioral therapy, uh, hypnotherapy, and it's customized to you based on that response. And mm-hmm. then you take session to session, um, and you can monitor your improvement and sort of adjust with it. How many times have you had to pitch that one? Uh, too many. <laughs> In the thousands. Not successful all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now uh, you were just telling me um, you are starting to get together on another firm, organization, company. What, what is this, Broadshot? Right. So Broadshot uh, provides data enrichment, lead generation, and lead qualification for uh, business development representatives and sales reps. It started as a side project with a friend of mine, Victoria Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a problem. She was trying to gather data about a large list of companies, but her and her uh, sales rep were manually entering that data into their uh, CRM. Mm-hmm. Customer Relationship Management Platform. Yeah, so, so probably built, Salesforce. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, essentially, she, <clears throat> there weren't really any things working this, the way that she needed to automize that task. Um, and I built her a script. She really liked it. And we worked on it in a few months, getting feedback. Is this something that we could turn to a company? We decided recently that we were. So now uh, we're working full-time on this with uh, another person. I feel like I want to go nitty-gritty right away here. Uh, you use PHP to get... <laughs> from one place to another into Salesforce? Uh, no. Specifically, it's to uh, scrape the data that she needs. So, okay. yeah. If it's, there's. Hmm? You don't have to reveal any secret sauce if you don't want to. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it's it's pretty much just a PHP script that does it, but it's the way that we do it. Mm-hmm. Now it's evolved much further than that, and we're collecting a variety of data sources. From a business standpoint, um, we think that there's a market opportunity to target lower volumes sales, mm-hmm. either consultants or individuals or startups. Definitely. That can't afford the higher price points for uh, data enrichment tools. That makes sense. So the return on what they are actually doing has to be a lot higher, right? Because it makes up, if you're, what I'm envisioning here is that you have a smaller set of people that they're, that they're, um, targeting for sales, right? So each of those people make up a larger portion of, of what these potential customers are going to be um, getting revenue from, right? So um, 
where was I going with that? So <laughs> no, I know so, I get lost. So, so you want. need, so you need to, you need. Um, oh yeah, the 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 uh, the efficiency needs to be really really um, above board on that, right? Correct. Yes. Um, so you are a one of the rare unicorn uh, full stack developers. Uh, with double quotes around that, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Do I mean, full stack do... developers really exist? Uh, f- heck if I know. I mean. It's more that I can control and I build the entire thing from, you know, top yeah. to bottom. And in that sense, yeah, I guess you could say, because there's no dependency on another developer, a different language that I don't know. You did that for imprint? Yes, built the full thing. So having gone through the literally building everything yourself with imprint to now having um, equity stake, board, people invested, and you are to market, um, why are you starting this again? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> I wish my therapist was here to say that. Uh, it's, you know, going through one company, uh, Tarmon Imprint, was mm-hmm. such a valuable experience in many ways. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. And not being able to move forward on it because we're not able to scale the right kind of uh, way that would deliver the right return is difficult because you spend a lot of time doing that. So it's a fair question to ask, why would I do this again? <laughs> um, my skill set is directly applicable to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm willing to take a risk just like every other person who goes with this. Um, yeah. I consider myself young and I can do this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I genuinely believe in the product this time too. That's probably the driving factor. Mm-hmm. Um, we made a really smart decision to talk with as many potential customers as possible before we even start working on this, and we and that kind of validated some of our theories about the market. Yeah, how do you how do you do that? How do you do market outreach? That's a so maybe it's not interesting, but to me that's super super interesting because I feel like almost uh, every place I've worked uh, or or seen has really felt that the default for creating a product is let's think up some features first, put it out to market, and see what sticks. Right. Which is a backwards way of doing it, right? So how did you get out there? How did you solicit the right people to give you the right insights? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have to give props to my co-founder, Victoria, for that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, she took a very active approach, and I did, too. But we're lucky enough to be working out of a co-working space. And mm. that was a great way for us at least to build connections with the smaller business community here in the D.C. area. So we would identify people who had a potential use case for this, um, and we just chatted with them. And we did that with as many people. I think we were we have a list of uh, – it's, it's just a lot of people. Right. <laughs> with, we would chat with them, ask about the tools they're using, are they using anything, and we found a lot of interesting things. One, yeah. people weren't aware of – uh, or a product that even does this. Number two, that price was really high. Mm-hmm. Um, and number three, that they tend to be doing a lot of the same manual work that maybe somebody at a larger uh, software as a service company would do mm-hmm. in terms of finding the right leads, getting the information about them, and then scoring them. Yeah. So it does lead scoring as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That, um, yeah, it is. Well, I'm going to jump back a little bit here. Um, so what is your background? How did you get here? So I studied finance at Penn State, and I worked at an investment bank there for two summers. I really enjoyed it. I loved finance. And I found out, though, basically 
you know, there were really long hours and there were great people there. Uh, one of the things that kind of changed my perspective on a potential career was I heard my bosses saying, uh, this is a quote, can you imagine if you knew how to code? And to, yeah, and it was, and to me that really stuck with me. Um, and there we were kind of working on technology companies and constantly working with them. And I got to see a lot of cool things and meet executives at these tech companies. And I sort of realized, oh, wow, I'm, I'm a creative person. I would love to learn this. So, mm-hmm. you know, going back to school, I just spent as much time as I could learning how to code. And that took a while. And then I decided to go full-time on uh, Broadshot. And then to sustain it, do some freelancing and and got my parents help me too until we got to a point where it was a little bit more sustainable. But, so out of college, what was your first job? Uh, it was this. It, it was, was this. this. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, when I say full stack developer, it took a, a while, right? right? And and we built up the whole thing. Um, you know, got psychologists working with us, the whole thing. Uh, you you mean imprint? Yeah, for imprint, my mistake. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and um, yeah. So then there, that's it. So I just really, I literally decided to go full in on learning how to code and build tech startups. And you just learned this right off the bat. Just uh, took a while. How are <laughs> Yeah, it took a while. How, how do I do this? I mean, this sounds really dumb, but I mean, is is there a resource for how to raise investment or how to like an, a how to guide to be an entrepreneur? Do you do you find that that title to be I don't know pretentious or or unfitting? Like, I mean, entrepreneur conjures up, can conjure up a lot of different images, right? But like, that's what you do, right? <laughs> that's what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say that. I feel the same way about that word. Right. Um, it's not really, I'm not trying to, I think a lot of times people get confused. Somebody's trying to do this to get a label as that. But for me, I was just really interested in the product and I wanted to build something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, could you turn this into a, a legitimate business model and make it roll with it? So in that process of how do you find kind of a guide, I feel like people in my situation and other business people who, you know, when they get started on building something like this you just absorb information you read as much as you can about it you talk with other people you find mentors um i was lucky enough to get some very uh, successful mentors kind of help me with that um and actually they're also a big reason uh why i learned how to code and kind of stopped doing finance but it's it's to each person it's not um there's no specific path that everybody takes if Definitely, that, sense. Yeah. That, that does make sense. Um, do you mind talking about who your mentors were? What type of uh, qualities you look for in a good mentor? It's very career-ish, right? Yeah. So one of the other influencing factors in my decision to go into tech was uh, I went to Penn State, mm-hmm. and uh, they had a tech week there, and they brought in a lot of different um, sort of big tech titans from Silicon Valley to come talk. So. One year I went when I was in school and I talked to the co-founders of Weebly.com. And this mm-hmm. is before I did learn how to code. And I talked to someone named Dan Veltri and I asked him some questions and the, the best piece of advice he gave me uh, was you got to learn the code. Mm. And at that point, I'm not really sure what I was thinking. I just, it was an idea. I didn't know if I wanted to pursue it, if anything. So then I actually did in a year back a year later, I came back to him and I demoed him the product. And that was great because they they had a bunch of other uh, founders there. Uh, Drew Houston of Dropbox, uh, Justin Kahn of Twitch. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people. It was great. Steve Huffman of Reddit. 
And they were very nice. And Dan saw it and I showed it to him. He remembered a conversation before. He invited me up partying with him that night. And then long story short, he's an advisor and a uh, great guy and he's given incredible advice. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, so Imprint, you had to interface with a lot of um, people from the psychiatry world. Yes. So that also doesn't come with a, with a guidebook. How did you go about doing that? So I had... Um, that was a learning curve too. Uh, psychologists have a very particular, uh, way of doing things. And I mean that in a positive way, um, they do as much as they can to be evidence-based therapeutic approaches in everything that they do. So when I was trying to position our product in a way that was more serious and had longer term potential, I wanted it to be legitimate. Mm -hmm. I reached out to a psychologist, um, who was or actually I reached out to like 10 and then I only got responses, I think from two, but one of them ended up being the most amazing woman, uh, Pamela Luddig and her and actually, um, her husband, Craig Stoltz, mm. um, helped me build imprint and it became a project for us that we just, she was contributing all of the assessments and the a lot of scripts. It was them separately in the beginning, mm-hmm. but that was, was something they already had conceived of like an app based, they had seen the product that I built um, and they came on. But that variety of um, therapies, I guess what I was asking. What is it called? We, you well, can no, call like, it digital. did they think, um, when you would reach out to them, were mm-hmm. they, did they already have in mind a vision for how that was going to work? Or is that something that you collaborated on and, and, uh, and created? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure, actually, to be honest with you. It wasn't <laughs> really, when we started doing this too, the primary... Um, company in the market was headspace they were just kind of lifting off the ground right there um it was a similar thing again we try to position ourselves as being more serious and i want to clarify though in no way is our product a replacement for therapy Mm -hmm. and we do not make any claims to do so it's yes yeah just to clarify what you've been very clear about that i'd say um so that's sort of the approach we took and i learned a lot you said mentioning working with psychologists um just how important it is to take it seriously and respect it ethically and to not um, mislead and to do no harm. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, everyone saw the opportunity, if we can bridge the gap between uh, lack of care, either you live in a location where there's a shortage of mental health professionals, or if it's something you're doing between things or between sessions with therapy therapists, any way that we want to do that. We just wanted to make a more serious tool that people could use. Right. And Headspace got a lot of uh, fun. Well, they at least appear that they've gotten a lot of funding because they advertise everywhere. They do. They they um, kicked our butt. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they did it. And that's something that, you know, I learned kind of the hard way when we were testing it with people. Um, customers didn't really care if it was somebody who's a Himalayan monk who's giving meditation versus right. somebody who's has experience in this field. Right. Um, it, they just, you know, to them, a lot of the times it sounded the same and even though it's absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, so Headspace has done a great job of marketing, bring meditation to a new level in terms of uh, visibility in the market too. Yeah, well, that's, um, I mean, I'll editorialize a little bit. That's some. That's something that I feel like a lot of people in startups don't understand is that when a big competitor comes and gets a lot of traction, that ultimately brings up the kind of waters, as they say, for everyone else, at least in a very un- unrealized market like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so you build products first, then businesses. Seems like that was the order, but it seems like it, you yeah. got it seems like you got really good at building business. Um, the question that I asked before about interfacing with psychologists, you could kind of broaden that to anybody. How do you bring a bunch of people in the room to achieve something, especially when it's really complicated mm-hmm. and impactful? Like, like you said, do no harm. There is a serious risk there to to negatively negatively impact people's lives if you don't put something out there worth being out there. All that is to say, um, how do you get all of this other stuff around a business working, like getting your board, getting your people in place, getting figuring out equity stakes, right. stuff like that? Can you comment on that, Carson? Yeah, of course. Um, those are questions. To touch on your first point, I think the product is most important always. Um, you know, there's uh, – Actually, this goes back to Dan and what he said before, too. Sometimes people focus too much on building a business rather than something people are going to use or want. Mm. Um, and so with that in mind, um, building the business around it was secondary. It was easier. And when the time came, um, because we had kind of knocked out our go-to-market strategy and, and product and we had testimonials and stuff, it was much easier to develop a pitch around that. But really, it's um, when you're reaching out to people and trying to bring on people for your team who can complement your services. I think sharing your vision, being passionate, showing a lot of enthusiasm, that goes a long way. Um, And just really, you know, finding the right people who are willing to contribute and help. And of course, I think putting them in a position where you're equals. This is not something that you're coming in there and saying, look, you know, you're working for me or anything like that, especially because I happen to be pretty young Mm -hmm. and uh, it's really important to listen to people who have experience with that so with those combination of factors i think you can motivate people to come with you you got to find the right people who fit with your uh, culture Mm -hmm. how do you enter that situation on a day when you're not feeling super enthusiastic and you can say fake it yeah fake (laughs) it i don't that's a good question um i mean the thing is it's every day when you're and i'm sure people that you've talked with here and everybody who knows somebody who's working in business like that, it's something that consumes you. Mm. So, I mean, it can, it can take a toll, but it's not something that if you truly believe in what you're doing and you're making progress every day, step by step, um, it's a, you know, it's a roller coaster, but you'll, you'll make it. Yeah. So is, is it really, I'm going to push back a little bit Mm because you were saying it's the product first and it, it sounds, um, disenchanting to to refute that i'm not really refuting that but part of me really does think that you uh you or at least i heard a lot of people start businesses because it's what they're kind of put in this earth to do travis kalanick or whatever his i can't remember how he pronounced that but he wants to move people around or something like that or i'm on wall street because i blah 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 and there's this narrative of um drive and purpose that I, I I've started to think lately that it isn't really about that as much as knowing how to get something off the ground and really execute rather than the idea, which again, isn't very sexy. It's not a fun thing to like think that the person who does something the very best wasn't actually the, that wasn't the reason they're on this earth. You know, that's the kind of quote thing that the narrative says, 
But it's just because they really knew how to execute. They knew how to find the right people. They knew how to see through problems correctly. Does that at all muck up your vision of business or is it is it really just true? Is it that like if you have a really good idea, that's all it takes? It's not as much about the mm, that sort of trade-off. I think we that was well said. I don't actually disagree with that. Um, I think the combination of the two is, is what uh, will drive success. Mm. It's, you know, absolutely, you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people who do the exact opposite of what they should do. So in terms of uh, focusing too much on a product and not doing uh, customer outreach or marketing or bringing together a team so that it, it can be built up properly. Right. Um, I think that all goes back to, you know, it's a case by case scenario. If you're, really good at building something or you're delivering a product and you love the product, but nobody knows about it, or you're not able to get support and you burn out, then your business fails. Mm -hmm. And that you could say the other part about just building a business for a product nobody wants. So I think actually what you just said was uh, the best way to say it. (laughs) Yeah. You always say that though. You always turn this around on me when we talk. (laughs) So Brennan, how long? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, your career arc is quite short because it sounds like you uh, went directly into imprint and now to Broadshot. So what what piece of advice would you give someone from your career, I guess, is the context of that? Yeah. So I wouldn't say I'm in a position to give out advice, right? I mean, uh, everybody's got their own life path that they follow. Um, The things that if you're interested in going for business or building something or even learning how to create a technology business, first thing I'd say is specifically for tech businesses, learn the code. Mm. Um, That way you're not dependent on somebody else and your vision can actually be fulfilled. Um, and then also, it's just going to be a roller coaster. And when you're getting any idea off the ground, it doesn't even have to be business. It could be an art project or whatever you're doing. You got to stick with it and you got to just do it all the time in order to get better at it and learn it yourself. Mm. Those are the only, I guess, two things I would say. And also just be nice to people and, uh, you know, care. Yeah. Who's the guy that runs Berkshire Hathaway, that rich dude? Warren oh, Buffett. Yeah, Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. So he had some piece out about how, you know, successful people essentially focus on like their, like a very kind of small subset of their interests mm-hmm. that like rank prioritize 20 things that you like and, you know, you avoid the bottom 15 or more than that at all costs. That felt a little extreme to me, but it sounds like that actually would be accurate advice in your opinion. To, to focus, yeah. To be specialized, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It's all about focus. Focus, focus, focus. I mean, I get dabble in things inside, and, and that's always dangerous when you're doing something. Um, focus is absolutely key to it. Like you mentioned before, it's execution, really. So mm-hmm. without focus, you can't execute. And if you don't execute, nothing gets done, and your business will not ever uh, materialize. Should I stop this radio show, then? Oh. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just walk out right now. Oh, no, no. <laughs> No, absolutely not. That's not what I meant. I meant when you decided to go into a project like that. But, yeah, yeah. No. But yeah, you should. I'm taking over. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought that's why you came here. Um, I usually ask the guests, what are they reading? But do you have the time to read starting a new business oh, yeah. on top of the one you're doing now? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I use Audible. I, I crank through Audible. Uh, my co-founder, Victoria, and I just finished a book called uh, Customer Success. Uh, no, it's not. 
the oh my god i'm gonna forget it it's i do the, that all the time <laughs> where i'm reading a book and i'm like please believe i really am reading this but i can't remember the name, the name of the, of the author title? or something yeah, yeah like uh, what was that one but it's actually remembered it's called customer centricity okay and it's about focusing on the the right customer not necessarily appealing to all of them so i found that pretty interesting um, yeah not 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 worrying about being kind of the big net broad audience but yes. but finding like uh i f- feel like that's called the long tail sometimes but i don't know you would you you're not going to confirm are you i don't know i don't know uh, it's, it could be i think i don't know a why long I tail, that you, oh then. you're talking about in terms of customer acquisition yeah that's you, long tail yeah. right you have kind of everybody here in the pack and and if you want to have some type of specialized uh mm-hmm. offering then you're actually focusing on like the i think the reason they call it the long tail is because in aggregate it's a lot of people yeah, what do you I, think I shouldn't, about that? I shouldn't, have, <laughs> I shouldn't have thrown that. What's out there. the middle one called? No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. It's a similar concept, I think, except it's more take a look at your customers. Don't treat them all the same. It's really about how you treat your ah, customers. Yeah. Got it. Um, and it's about optimizing profit through <clears throat> identifying your core customers and really understanding who they are and and building making them happier versus the general market. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit about Broadshot then. Okay, because that sounds like it actually is applicable to a wide range of businesses. Is there any specific customers or customer needs that you think you can or would like to kind of tap into and custom made (laughs) product to? Yeah, actually there is. So what we're building is a foundation for um, uh, really just data and Mm -hmm. company data. And the way that we see it, there's some verticals that we're interested in entering, but one of the ones that stand out that we're gathering more information on that we see is something that differentiates us. Mm. Um, for one, creating public information books for investment banks, venture capital firms. Okay. Typically, they might manually create those or outsource them. I mean, a lot of the top banks still have people in India creating these. Or if you're a smaller mid-market firm, mm. you might have your analysts or associates still manually doing it. So that's one product that we see would complement our current foundation. Definitely. Recruiters, we're also talking with recruiters about analyzing uh, social media data to better, um, I guess you could say, score potential recruits and saying, okay, if we see this person makes tweets about this a lot, uh, we want to have sort of an algorithm that can bring them to the top. So you're in a good position, Brendan. Um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. And then and then there's some other ones too, but that's a great question. That's, that is how we see moving forward here. But we do think at its core, our primary customers in the beginning here, it's still such a large demand and we think we can just do way better than everybody yeah yeah Yeah. i i I didn't really want to pin you down to like a specific set of customers but it did (laughs) it did seem applicable for what uh, you and victoria were just reading how did you guys meet uh so she was working at another healthcare company actually okay um and uh we became friends understood the space and uh, i sort of involved later on again this was completely side but and we decided to go in on this together after she left her job there that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear an update in a little bit when you get this going. Thank you so much for coming in today, Carson. Thanks for having me, Brennan. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.